few weeks ago, we had a chance to start uh, this series, Living in Light of Christ's Return. And we've been away from it for a few weeks now. We're going to get started back on it today. Uh, That particular Sunday, we were looking at Christ's teachings of the resurrection. Uh, We will call it rapture, even though the word rapture is not, quote-unquote, in the Bible. The principle of rapture, why we use that, is in the Scripture. A Greek word, uh, harpazo, it means to be snatched away or to be caught up into the clouds. And uh, that's where we get the, the thought of being raptured, separated, pulled apart and we are, uh, from something. And that is that we are separated from the world. And uh, in, in this book, Second Peter, uh, he actually deals with that concept quite a few times as far as the separation. And, and uh, as, as we looked at that, we started seeing Christ's teaching. And with, with Martha, and at the, at the text of Luke where where he comes, and, and excuse me, John chapter 11, when he comes to, to Martha and says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you really believe this? And that was what the, the stirring question I had that Sunday is, do you really, really, really believe that Jesus is the resurrection of life and that he could come back this very moment and you and I will be transformed and changed and snatched away. I'm glad so much that you guys agree with that concept. (laughs) Because, you know, this is something that goes totally against nature. It goes totally against everything you and I have around us and that is everything has a beginning and everything has an end we plant a tree and some days later somebody cuts the tree down it has a beginning and it has an end and so sure enough jesus comes and says now listen if in this life you believe in me you will never die you will live for eternity So all of a sudden we get into that question, is it true that when we die, the body stays here, the conscience is no longer alive, and that we go into an annihilated state and there is no life after death? Or, as we see in the scriptures, that when you and I die, because we are made in the image of God, that we are an eternal being, that we have given, been given eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ, that you and I, the real you and I, the internal part, will live forever. Now, of course, those who are not Christians, by the time they die, they will be eternally lost. And that's where death and hell comes into view. And so there's either we, we live after we die or we don't. And the principle of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 says, listen, if there's no resurrection, well, let's eat Let's drink, and let's be merry, because tomorrow we die. And it doesn't really, really matter. So if there's no life after death, then there's no accountability to God. I'm never going to stand before him. So in this life, this is all that I have. So I'm going to do whatever I want. So you got something I want? I'll do whatever it takes to take it from you, because I'm not accountable to anybody. If I won't be a, a lazy bum... I'll be a lazy bum. I can do whatever I want because I don't have to stand before God. But we as Christians realize that that's not the fact. The fact is that we will be standing before the Lord. And that's why living in light of Christ's return. That's what this short series is about. Living with that thought of Christ could return 
right now, and if he would return right now, would we be ready? In, in this text now, there is something that we're going to see, and it is the subject of the flood. Okay, uh, There are some that don't believe that that reference that we've read, and we'll, we'll see in a moment, is about the flood. But uh, I don't know how else in the world you're going to see it because it talks about the water came and then people perished. Uh, it sounds like Genesis to me, you know, uh, pretty, pretty clear. So let's think about this. There's a man by the name of Noah. He's got some sons and daughter-in-law's wife. And uh, he's just walking with the Lord. Matter of fact, that's what it says. He, and, and also Enoch before that, it says that they walked with the Lord. And so, so coming into his life, the Lord begins to speak with him because it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Several times as I read through the whole text, um, it says many times that Noah was a righteous man. So here is a man that's really trying to walk with the Lord, live a right life, and everybody around him is living like the devil. And they're living like there's no tomorrow. So we might as well get out of life whatever I want to now. Sound like America. And so sure enough, as, as he is looking at his life and he is going towards it, God comes knocking on his door. This is in Carl's version. Hey, Noah, there's going to be a flood. And Noah says, Lord, what's a flood? Because up to this point, it had never rained before, but it was a perfect environment, canopy effect as some scientists call it, that it was beautiful, perfect environment for all plants, trees, whatever, vegetation to grow. And they didn't need rain. So he's like, okay, it's going to flood. I understand that means like lots of water all at one time. And he says, uh, Noah, but what, what you have to understand is everyone is going to die on the earth. The creatures, everything that's here is going to die. Noah, I want you to build a big boat. Really, really big. And what's really going to be neat, Noah, is you build this ark, all of a sudden, animals are going to like you. As you are done with this boat, you're going to get on, and suddenly, two by two, are going to be willing to come in, male, female, walk onto this boat. Certain creatures there was more, but, uh, but, but that's the gist of it. And they're going to come on of, of each species, and they're going to come on, and they're going to hang out with you because it's going to rain, and everything's going to die, and we're going to start everything brand new with you. But we're going to talk about God being able to preserve. What if they got a cold? What if one of them died all of a sudden that species that race will be cut off so God says bring them on and he says now listen while you're there actually Second uh, Peter also describes that Noah was a preacher preacher of righteousness so while he's putting this boat together people can you imagine coming by and saying what are you doing like the oceans, like way down the road here, there's not even a big pond for you to put this side of a boat into. What are you doing? It's dry land, man. If we do have a flood, how is the water ever going to get here? Stupid people walking away. 
Next guy comes down, hey, you missed a spot, Noah. You know, you can imagine him just laughing at him. The Lord, he says, is going to be bringing a flood, and it will have its imminent. It will be coming. Be ready. Whatever, Noah. Sure, he's going to rain, guys. It's going to rain. It never happened before, Noah. From the beginning of time, it's always been like this. Haven't seen a drop. When's it going to start? Can you imagine the teenagers? <laughs> hey, can we skateboard along that edge there? It looks pretty fun. For you too. Tell your brothers and sisters it's going to rain. Whatever. And they go off. Uh, those of you who don't know what that means, that sign language, uh, uh, you have to ask your kids what that means. It's whatever, W-E, whatever. <laughs> so if your kid has been doing that to you, now you know what it means. <laughs> and all these times, days, and then the days become months, and the months become years, in Genesis 6, God says, listen, man has 120 years on this earth, period. For 120 years, many theologians believe that this ark and the preparation and the preaching went on. Not a month or two, not a year or two, decades. Boy, it's looking really good, Noah. Where's the rain? No, it looks like it's pretty well finished. Where's the rain? And the scoffing, the mocking that was going on in his day. And yet he stayed true. Now follow me. And he stayed steadfast because his hope was in the Lord. His hope was in the word of God. He had nothing else but the voice of God to tell him to do such a seemingly foolish thing. And yet he was willing to do it and put himself, well, to be ridiculed. This man, Noah, had people all around him that mocked the judgment. In this text, verse number one, we're going to break this down for you now. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I, now notice what he does, the purpose of this whole book, to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. We have communion, it's a way for us to remember. Memory is sometimes bad. Matter of fact, the further we are away from traumatic things in our lives, we quickly forget. And God says, I need to help you, and I am literally stirring up a pure mind so that you will begin to remember something. The verse, verse 2, he uses that you may be mindful. So here again, God is trying to say, Christians, believers, get your brain working again. Okay, it's like you've been sleeping. It's just like, oh, everything's going on, going on the way it's been, you know. And he's like, I am stirring you up right now. I want you to remember something. And I want you to be mindful of something. So this is serious things. You know, it's like, Ladies, when you send your husbands to the store and you need more than one thing from the store, 
and you say, they say, what do you need? Okay, this and this, okay, got it. And they walk out the door. You know if they don't have a cell phone, they're going to be coming back in the door. You know if they do have a cell phone, middle of Walmart, they're going to call you. What was it you wanted me to get? We don't remember things well. And he is saying, get in your mind, fill your mind, mindful of something. Notice what he says, to be mindful of. Number one, the words which were spoken before, now notice this, by the holy prophets. Now, there could be reference to New Testament prophets because there were some of those. But I believe he's dealing with the Old Testament prophets. Now, personally, I've been going through those in my devotions. And I am really, really slow. I'm going through Ezekiel right now. And as I'm going through Ezekiel, um, you can just about mark it down in every chapter. The Lord says to Israel, you're in trouble, man. If you don't get your heart right, ah, you are in big trouble. And sure enough, I'm going to use these nations. Young Chaldeans, they're going to come in. Babylon, they're going to come in. Somebody's going to come in. They're going to beat you up. And sure enough, uh, you're going to go into captivity. We're captivity constantly in that book. But almost every chapter at the end, he says, but there's going to be a day I'm going to restore you. I'm going to come back. I'm going to forgive you. You're going to call me. Everything's going to change and go back the way it should be. And they had to wait. And they had to wait. And seemingly everything happened. Okay. We can go into idolatry. We can do whatever we want. Nothing's going to happen. And then wham. In a moment, God raises up the Babylonians to come in and to take over that southern tribe. And they go in and they destroy the very temple of God, the presence of God, where God was, where he was worshipped by David, Solomon, that wonderful mercy seat where the blood atonement took place. All of these things, God says, is going to be taken away. And they didn't believe it. Today I'm trying to stir your minds up to remember that just like the Old Testament, and then he uses the word of God that comes from the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's Old Testament and well, as well as new for us to have in our minds the word of the Lord. Remember, all that Noah had was the word of the Lord. This is what I want you to do. This is what's going to happen. And it's never happened like that before. Folks, there has not been a rapture of the church yet. Now, there's been some individuals like Enoch who walked with God and was not because God took him. But what we are talking about has never happened in the history of the world. And you say, it's never going to happen. Some of you are going to literally walk out of here and say, that guy is absolutely nuts. How could you ever believe that all of a sudden, if the Lord were to return and the trump's going to blow, and all of a sudden your body is going to be changed and you're going to float up into the air? Give me a break. Mock. Laugh at it. But I believe the Word of God. You say, how could that happen? I'll ask you a question. How did God create everything? If you can answer that, I'll answer how God's going to change me. Because it's got to be something that the Lord Himself will do. To transform that which is corruptible into an incorruptible, something that is mortal, that into an immortal body. It's going to always, always live. Never die. Isn't that awesome? All comes because the word of the Lord. 
and we believe the Old Testament, we believe the New Testament, all of these signs that the Lord Jesus Christ himself will come. So verse 3, know this first. Remember, we're dealing with the mind. Be mindful of the word of God. Stir into remembrance, and this is the first utmost protoss, the most important thing for you to understand, that there shall come in the last days. Pause. What is a last day? Well, some people say this could be the last day of my life. Okay, well, let's not talk about that. You could talk about the end of, a, end of a generation. We're not talking about generations. We're talking about what Christ described in the last days that there will be transformations that are happening all around us. And this transformation is going to be in the world's system, not just climate, not just our atmosphere. We're talking about human nature is going to begin to change. He says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Children will rebel against their parents. You know, they're going to be selfish. They're going to be all these ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the list goes on with all of the mindset. And that's what, folks, you know, you know, I realize there's a lot of things that Christ taught about his return back at the end of the tribulation time period. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the last days that you and I are living in already. And these last days are days that Christ talked about and also the apostles talked about to describe to you and I right before the Lord comes for snatching away rapture. Now I want you to pay, so for, the, for the theologians here, I want you to look at verse 10 because there's another key phrase. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This, this phrase, the day of the Lord, is the day of judgment. That's the day when God says, that's it, boom. Okay, And then it goes and talks about how the earth will be destroyed, He's going to talk about it's going to be destroyed by fire. And then he says there's going to be a brand new heaven and a brand new earth because the first are taken out. So we have also that time period in this text, but we're dealing with, in ours, the last days. You and I are living in that. And here's what they are saying, verse 4. Where is the promise of his coming? It's a question. Where is God's faithfulness to the promise that he gave that he's going to return. When is it going to happen? He goes on and says, Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. People were born, people die. We plant trees, they cut them down. Everything keeps on going, just the way it was. Yeah, we have cities going up. And we have buildings burned down. Now it's a vacant lot. Now we build something else. Everything around. Yeah, but, but overall picture, we look at things, it, it's pretty much the same as it's been going on. So the humanist is going to say, there is no God. Everything just keeps on going on. I got this life. I get everything I can out of it. And then that's it. There ain't no more. That's how they look at life. Keeps on going on. Keeps on going on. Where is this coming? You say all things are getting worse. Where is he at? And it, it begins to have a mindset that we are seeing. By the way, I've got a TV, and you know I'm flipping through, and commercials come on and so forth. I am absolutely amazed at how many times, there was, I, I forget what channel I was watching, but a comedian came on, and sure enough, he mocked this principle about the Lord's return. And I don't have it memorized who it was or anything like that, 
but it's all over Hollywood. Go watch movies. You see it. Somewhere along the line, the Lord is going to be mocked and made fun of. Hollywood hates Jesus. Absolutely despises him. They despise it all because it's the here and now. See, these indoctrinations, these things that are going on all around us are going into the minds of our children that for their generation, and it's going to be one step further away from him to a point where there's going to be very, very few ministers that even talk about this subject of the resurrection. There was a pastor's wife in a mainline denomination. She was probably, at, this was uh, probably 18 years ago, that I, I was at a Bible study, and she was there, and we were talking about this very subject of rapture. And uh, uh, she was a Methodist pastor's wife. And uh, she said, my husband in seminary was told by the teachers, do not ever, ever teach on the second coming. Told in seminary. She had no, no reason to tell me that. You know, there was no, you know, no motives. She just was saying, my husband was told, don't talk about this stuff. And she said, but he didn't listen. <laughs> he preached on it anyways. <laughs> Good for him. She was a solid, solid Christian. Loved the Lord. Folks, this is not altogether a popular subject. Because it gets in our mind, he could come, I got to get ready. The choir's saying a couple times, better be ready. And we better be ready. And we could be thinking, ah, oh, he's not coming, he's not coming, he's delaying his coming. And we could get into that same mindset. Everything's continuing just the way it was. But God says, no, no, no. Look at the illustration, verse 5. For this they, this is dealing with the Old Testament now, willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, guess what happened? Perished. So this flood took them out. So they were willingly ignorant of what God had already done and willingly at that time to be ignorant and not listen to the word of God that this was going to even happen and they perished. Folks, uh, God didn't want the flood to happen. The flood was a reaction of God. Our God doesn't want us to be ignorant. He does not want us to get out of our mind and to forget His Word. And so in His Word, He reveals to you and I one of the most powerful things that most of the world even understands is that there was a flood. Science cannot ever say there was no flood. True science, that is. As they study and see this earth all around, the evidence of flood is everywhere. Uh, a lot of those Christian scientists that go down to Texas and areas along that line see these evidence. Folks, we cannot deny this. And God in the Word says, let me take you back to that occasion. Because before that water, they mocked. They laughed at it and said it's not going to come. 
And so let's not you and I go to that same mindset to say, I'm going to do what I want because the Lord's not returning. He will return. He is going to return. And don't be willingly ignorant of these things. Over in chapter 2, in verse 21, I want to read this with you. This is a serious verse. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment de delivered unto them. So God says this. Folks, we are accountable for what we know as Christians. And since we have this information, even through this ministry, this, this message today, and as it goes out, as John reminds me every once in a while, by the way, we're recording, this is going to be on the internet, and this is, going, this is going around the world. Anybody in any country can listen to this message. It is out there in cyberspace. And they can listen to this young preacher saying, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. And if they say no to it, it would have been better for them never to have known than to know it, laugh, mock it, and walk away from it. Because God says, you heard it, you know it. And to whom much is given, much is required. And the young people, I'm telling you right now, yeah, the Lord may not return in my, in my lifetime. I don't know when he's going to return. But the thing is, young generation, for the kids that are in here, there's going to be a day when the preacher kicks a bucket, and then it's going to be your turn. And you're going to be a Noah. And you're going to be standing up and saying, you know, my preacher taught me, and I heard it from the Word of God, that the Lord is coming, and I still believe it. And even though you're going to find out, less and less believe it. Less and less will talk about it. Because this is divisive. This subject divides. Because this is not prosperity preaching. This is, let's get ready. Old George Yance, before he passed away, he sang uh, one of the, his familiar songs, and he paused right in the middle of the ending of that song before he sang the rest of it. He said, folks, I know this one thing. I have less days behind me, or less days in front of me than I have behind me. But I'm, I'm all ready to go. He said, my bags are all packed, and I'm ready to go. And he died not that long after singing that. Now, folks, whether we're young or old, our bags need to be packed. And we need to be ready to go, because he could come now. There is no prophecy that I see in 1 Thessalonians 4 or 1 Corinthians 15 that have to be fulfilled before Christ returns. There is not an event that has to happen. God is describing what it is going to be like. Uh, I was reading a, uh, a commentary on this probably a hundred years ago. It was written. And I'm telling you, it is as though I wrote it today. Talking about the mindset of the world. And we think our mindset in this generation is brand new. Give me a break. Didn't God say there's nothing new under the sun? Lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what, we, that's what each generation deals with. But he's saying the intensity absolutely is going to be there. And we are seeing that right now. We have to be ready. And we are accountable for what we know. So here's the admonition. Let's go on in verse number 7. 
the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. Now follow that principle. This earth that we now live on, the atmosphere all around us, are kept right here intact by the very word of God. That without God, we would not be in existence. And they are kept in store, now follow, and reserved, as it goes on and said, unto fire against the day of judgment, perdition, unto ungodly men. So those who are on the earth, there is a preservation of them for a purpose. And then also, verse 8 now, he says, so beloved, don't be ignorant of this one thing. So here again, he's bringing this in. That You say, what does this have to do with anything? That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. It's like, I heard, how many have not heard that? I mean, we hear that all the time. And we say, well, you know, with, with the Lord, you know, eternity, and he looks at time, and it's like it's, it's nothing. Let me try to illustrate it. If, if I had a $1 bill, which I do have in my wallet, I think, and I had a $1,000 bill in my wallet, which I know I do not have, <laughs> and I were to pull all those out, so we are using our imagination today. So we have these two bills. Now, most of us, except for maybe some of the kids in here, would say a dollar, whatever, you know. I mean, we, you know, a dollar is a dollar this day and age. But to a kid, that, that's candy. At least a half a candy bar, I think. <laughs> and so they're thinking, ching, ching, I could get something with that, okay? And, and to you and I, most of us as adults, like, it's a dollar, okay? Somebody needs a buck, sure, here. And we, we don't think too much of that anymore. But you put $1,000 here, and all of a sudden, hmm, now we're looking at this. Boy, that'd make my house payment. Whole month, that'd pay for my house payment, maybe a car also payment. That'd pay for all my utilities and some other things. That's a lot of groceries. Look what I could buy with $1,000. That's, that's some money. That's, that's something right there. Now, the dollar, okay, whatever. Now, now follow me. Let's put these $2 bills here and here. Now let's go over here. Now let's get a different perspective to this. What if I was a multi-billionaire? How would I view the $1 bill? It would be like you and I looking at a half a penny, right? It's just like, whatever. What would a multi-multi-billionaire look at $1,000 as? Pocket change. Like, oh, you need one of those? Here you go. Here you go. That's nothing. The Lord is trying to say, you and I, man, we're living this day. We can't wait to get beat the Methodists to the restaurant today. You know, we're, we're all about time. You know, I wonder how long Carl's going to be today. If he, if he, he had a study, he'd be done by now. <laughs> you know, we start thinking about time and, and, and we think, you know, oh, we got this week and next year we're going to do this. And we have all this surrounding about the dollar, you know, it's just like the daily stuff. And once in a while, we look at our life and hold, the thousand dollars, and I was, oh man, that's, that's, that's a life, 70 some years, you know, I'm gonna live and everything, that's meaningful. And, and God's up here and looking at this like the multi, 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 multi billionaire, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And he's like, uh, one day or a thousand is like, whatever. That's nothing. You can't put time with God. He's eternal. He is 
time. He, he owns it. It's all. He created the sun, the moon, the stars to govern what we know as time. He's like, let me make that. There's a moon. You know, he just makes it with his fingers. Bang, there it is. The bang theory, you know. There it is. So God looks at this and he says, okay, so a, a, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. It's like, so what? That's nothing to him. He is eternal. You say, what does that have to do with anything? The next verse. The Lord is not slack or slow concerning his promises as some men discern slackness. No, in other words, men are slow. You know, they're, they're methodical with all this. But here's the key. God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should what? Remember what happened in the flood? Man perished. God didn't want that. He had to do it. It was a reaction because of man's choices here on this earth. So now God is saying in light of his actions and reactions, he, as he looks at a day or a thousand years, is looking and is as slow, methodical, the word is patient towards all men, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now follow me. If it were you and I's decision, when would we want the Lord to return in the air? Yesterday, right? I mean, let's get out of here. I mean, I'm ready for gold streets. I'm ready for heaven. I, I can't wait. It's going to be really cold. No more burdens like we have it down here, you know. All those things are done away with. Praise the Lord. So we're thinking, okay, come. You know, you stop and you say, don't you think the Lord wants to return too? You know? It's like he wants to come. He wants to take his bride home to be with him. He's anxious for this. So what's the delay? Is he still, well, hold on, guys. i got to finish this nailing up here of the mansions. And he's creating all this for you and I to enjoy in heaven. You know, I don't think it's that the Lord's delaying because he can't get the job done or lack of desire for you and I to be with him. In the text, we see the patience of God and not concerned about time like you and I are because he is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance. The Lord hasn't returned because he wants people saved. He's waiting. It may be for you. Man, long-suffering of God. I think Greg Milkey, I don't think he's here. I think you're on vacation. I think he's the only guy that I've ever met that got saved the first time he heard the gospel. He said, I don't get me. He said, people, I don't know what they're waiting for. You know, he leads a lot of people to the Lord. Good soul winner, you know. And, uh, at, but I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't get saved the first time I heard the gospel. I'm like, whatever, you know. I don't need this. I'm a teenager. I'm, I got my act together. You're like, it's like, I'm going to live forever here. And yet God was long-suffering with me. He was patient with me. So all of a sudden, he says, okay, Christian, get over there and put a track in the work truck on hell. So I looked at that, like, man, throw this thing out of here. And I took that track, and I threw it out. And I remember it was on hell. And I remember going to a high school and, and listening to a preacher with life action at that time period preaching the gospel. And I went forward, and I went into a back room, and the guy was to say, if you were to die today, wh where would you go? And my boy, buddies and I, we all said, we're going to heaven. And he said, why are you going to heaven? Because we're good guys. 
We don't rob banks. We haven't killed anybody yet. You know, we're good guys. You know, nobody's caused us to do that yet, so we're okay. We're going to get in. And he said, no, you're not. You need to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. We all walked out of there. None of us got saved. And then this cute little girl, Lori, <laughs> invites me to church. And I'm like, okay, you know. And my, my mom had been asking me to go to her church for years. And I'm like, no, 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 I couldn't go there. And she's like, why would you go with her? You wouldn't go with me. I'm like, <laughs> do I have to answer that one? So I went, heard the gospel for about three weeks, and sure enough, I got saved. Lord's mom ended up leading me to, to the Lord. But I'm trying to show you is God wasn't done with me. God is, God is so patient and long-suffering because he wants you in. And sometimes the, the mindset of God is like, oh, I can't wait to send these people to hell. Yeah, I created it for you know, those angels and all those rotten people when I want them to go. God doesn't want you there. He didn't want to destroy the earth. It was, it was a reaction. And Christ is waiting to return because he is waiting, waiting for people to get saved. For each generation. Because, folks, we are going to die, 10 out of 10 of us, except for the Lord's return. And then there's going to be another generation coming up through. And I pray that Nate and these young people coming up through are going to be preaching the exact same truth and not be ashamed of it. Amen. And to go out and be a Noah. And say, oh, yeah, yeah, Lord's return. That's what your daddy-in-law said, too. Yeah, he still didn't come, did he? But he's coming. We just don't know when. Wait. One day, this is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day with the Lord. He's waiting. He's waiting for you. He wants you to get saved. Now, to the Christian, there is something also for you and I as he concludes this. Look at verse 15. In the same verse, chapter, 2 Peter 3, 8, 15. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is what? Salvation. You know why God's patient? Because he wants to save. He wanted to save more. But no one will believe. And so it's powerful to see that God shut the door of the ark. God shut it. Get him in. Can you imagine the people wailing? Can you imagine the people pounding on the side? Let us in, let us in. But God had to shut the door to say you were told and the time was limited. And folks, the Lord, when he comes, is going to come so quickly in the twinkling of an eye. He is going to transform and change and you will not have a chance to go. You have to make the decision while you're alive and breathing in order to appreciate and to be part of the rapture. You cannot decide after rapture is over, oh, I'm going to go ahead up too. Take me, Lord. It doesn't happen that way. You need to be, he that believe, liveth and believeth in me. You have to make the decision while you are alive. He talks about how even Paul talked about the same thing. But I need to drop the verse 17. You therefore, beloved, now we talk to the Christian, seeing you know these things, how, when? Before. It's like, you can't say, oh, I didn't know that, Lord. Well, he gave you his word, and you heard the preacher, certain Sunday school teachers and other people, you know it's happening. So since you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own what? 
steadfastness. By the way, 1 Corinthians 15, in the rapture text, ends it, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, Lord. So here, this steadfastness. It is so easy for us as Christians to deter and get off the path of what we're supposed to be thinking and focusing on, and we start thinking about this and this and this, and we're just thinking like the world, and all of a sudden we're way over here uh, to have a mind that is worldly or carnal, and all of a sudden we're thinking about all these things, and we're not even thinking about the Lord's return, and we're not steadfast in the Lord. Now listen, if we are steadfast in the Lord, our mind is going to be on Christ's return. And with that in mind, what we are doing is going in this direction, and we want, don't want, and listen, folks, any, any Christian can fall, and we can get our mind off for long periods of time. And I understand that. We have prodigals all around that, that, that they need to come back. I understand that. But I'm telling you, if you are there, come back. If you know a friend that is there, urge them to come back. Because you need to say, like Noah, he's, he's returning. It's going to be happening Unless prepare and let's work towards that steadfastness. And this is what he says in verse 18. Grow in grace. Isn't that interesting? Because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He is saying to you and I, in the subject of the Lord's return, grow in grace. Begin to have that knowledge of the grace of God, and therefore be gracious yourself, and then, secondly, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to get to know him more and more every day. Because if we get to know him, we can then mimic him. Um, I, can, I, I hope you don't mind. We're surely at, at the beginning of the service. Shirley looked at me and she said, Pastor, you shaved your mustache off. And I said, yeah, about two months ago. And uh, my wife still hasn't known until right now how I shave my mustache off, probably, you know. I'll put a beard on and shave it off, and two weeks later she'll say, Yeah, hey, you shaved your beard. I said, yeah, yeah, days ago. She didn't notice when I took my mustache off, but she said, You look younger. And she said, Stephen looks more like you now, too. And uh, I don't know if that was a compliment or not, but I think it was <laughs> to that poor guy. So uh, it's like that image, isn't it? And uh, there's genetics that happen for Christians. When we are born again, we get the genetics of Christ in us. That's what born again means, regened, regeneration. And all of a sudden, we have the Spirit of God in us beginning to change and to make us look more like Jesus Christ. And you'll remember this year is for that very purpose that you and I will be Christ-like, that we will be in his image. And Christ, as he showed grace, we show grace. And we learn him. We learn what he is like. One of the things about Christ is that he was always talking to the Father, wasn't he? Always thinking about the Father. I came to do the will of my Father. My Father and I, we are one. And if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Christians, we ought to be able to say that. If you've seen me, you've seen Christ. If you've seen me, Christ in me, you've seen the Father. And the only way to know that is to be full of grace and to know it. 
and to know Christ. So he concludes, To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Our goal as Christians is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory now and forever in our lives. The only way you can do that is to become a Christian. If you're not a Christian, we will have an invitation here in a moment. And we encourage you to come down and we will show you from God's word how to be saved, to become a Christian before you leave. And as a Christian, maybe the Lord's working in your heart and you say, you know what? There's some things I need to just get straightened up in my life. Come. We'd be glad to talk to you and to pray with you. Maybe you want to make the decision where you're at in your seat. The key is God isn't worried about geography. He's worried that you make the decision and do the right thing. Let's stand together. Father, your word is powerful. And we thank you for this text. I pray, Lord, that you will use your word to stir our minds and to remember of your return. And Lord, as the revelation closes down, even so, Lord Jesus, come. We have that same prayer. We look forward to your return. Now, Lord, if there are some here, and I'm sure there are, in a room with people this, this many that do not know Christ as Savior, that whether they do it right where they are at or they come forward, that they right now, Lord, would call on you to be their Savior, that they acknowledge their sin, they acknowledge that Jesus died for them and rose again, they acknowledge to you and call on you to save them as they are standing. I pray, Lord, that you will bless the Christians and, Lord, that we will work for you, that we will occupy until you come. Help us, Lord, to live in light of your return. In Jesus' name, amen.